Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to another installment of uh, Tawheed and the Creation where we look at the book The Big Bang The Amazing Human Body authored by Buddha Sadi Mani who joins me in studio once again Buddha Sadi Assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Muhammad Fasih and all the listeners who have given me such uh, valuable and important uh, feedback on this program Shukran Bilisali, it's a pleasure having Bilisali with us uh, this evening once again, alhamdulillah And uh, yeah, still looking at uh, the signs, still exploring the remnants of the Big Bang We also looked at uh, the amazing uh, aspect of uh, creation from, from actually from nothing And then we spoke about these subatomic particles and the formation of uh, matter and tonight we'll be looking at something that we can physically see, something that we are very much acquainted with, that poets and singers have called upon to add an air of wonder to their lyrics. Uh, we'll be speaking about the stars, and we'll be speaking about the formation of the stars, inshallah. Inshallah, Muhammad Fasih. Um, I'm glad we've reached this point because up to now we've been speaking about things that's not visible to the eye. And they're so tiny, and um, to describe it is very difficult um, without giving people a picture of what we are talking about. Um, so we are going to be talking about stars and how stars were formed. And just to remind our listeners out there that we are talking about a period in the history of the universe now some 300 million years after the first spark of energy appeared from which everything originated. 300 million years later, stars started forming. The conditions were ideal um, for, let me, let me say first that the birthplace of stars are called nebula. Um, now nebula is a cloud of dust and or space dust or interstellar dust and gases. They clump together um, in a in 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 in, in an orbit and formed a cloud, and that cloud, with the aid of gravity assisted the formation of stars. So all these small pieces, the atoms, if we remember last week we spoke about atoms, or was it the week before, we spoke about atoms, and atoms became the building blocks of the bigger pieces of material. And as these atoms started combining, so bigger chunks of material started forming and these pieces started circling uh, circling circulating circulating a, uh, a, a, around the center spinning around it 
and um, gravity was the force that kept all of these small tiny pieces together and with the aid of gravity they started condensing into bigger chunks of matter which formed the material from which we had stars uh, uh, emerging. Now the amazing thing, stars are not made of, of solid matter. It's mainly made up of gases. Even though it's so bright like we know our sun is also a star, it is also not made up of solid material. It's only made up mainly of hydrogen, 90%, 7% hydrogen and only 3% of helium and the rest are all dust particles um, held together um, which eventually formed the stars that we have out there in the universe. Now, but certainly, um, when we look at the stars, people might say we're looking at history because we're looking at lights that people say sometimes have gone out maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. How do we explain that? Because we can physically still see those lights in the sky. Yeah, it's one of the miracles that's very difficult to explain if we think that the stars that we see the time it takes for the light to actually reach the earth is in fact not hundreds of years or thousands of years it's literally millions and billions of years that that light has been traveling from where the star is to where we are now by the time the light reaches the earth then many of these stars in fact don't exist anymore wow. And that's one of the amazing things. It's one of the ways where how we could actually go back in history uh, because some of those things that happened so long ago, the light only reached us only now. Um, and, and, and that's the wonderful thing. So the stars that we see in the night sky, um, many of them, many, actually don't exist. But the light has only reached us now, so now we see back in time, so to speak. And that is an absolute miracle. SubhanAllah, the voice of Badisali Mani, and this is the program, Tawheed and the Creation, looking this evening at stars. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue looking at the formation of stars, something that's so fascinating. And as I said, uh, poets and uh, musicians throughout the ages have uh, lamented on these, what they, we call heavenly bodies in the sky, and uh, there's a lot of romance around it. But of course, I think the reality of it is even more amazing, and we'll delve into that after the break. Stay with us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to the program Tawheed and the Creation. Uh, looking at the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, authored by Batasani Mani. This evening we're looking at uh, stars and we've been examining the formation of stars. Before the break, we mentioned that uh, the lights that we see in the sky twinkling are from stars that have, in some instances, have actually gone out 
uh, millions of years ago sometimes. Those stars may no longer exist. However, the light takes so long to reach us that we are still seeing those stars even though their lights have gone out and they do not exist anymore. Yes, um, I think it's important just to remind our listeners also again that that light that we see that travels millions and billions of kilometers through the air is caused by nuclear fusion. Uh, nuclear fusion, to remind our listeners, is where within the atom, the nucleus of more than one atom fuse together, and that reaction is called a nuclear, nuclear reaction, which causes the stars to shine and to glow. And I want to um, maybe refer the listeners to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran about stars. Well, there's two things. The one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and I quote, He who created the seven heavens, one above the other. And further on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, And we adorned the lowest heaven with lamps. Uh, in some of the translations, uh, it refers to as lamps and in others as stars. Now, science, when, when we speak about seven heavens, um, people had this impression in the past when our knowledge about the universe was very limited. Some of the scholars interpreted the seven heavens as the seven layers of the atmosphere of the earth. But current science has brought us to a point where there is speculation, and people are guessing, but uh, educated guesses, where they are saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually referring to our universe as the lowest heaven and within the lowest heaven meaning our universe we have the stars or the lamps and that there are in fact seven other universes out there that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to and the scientists are referring to this as a multiverse multiverse multi meaning many and uh, uni meaning one uh, scientists have come to this point they haven't proven anything yet and I don't know whether they will ever have the technology to prove it that there are actually seven different worlds out there that work completely differently to our current universe and Allah speaks about this and inshallah maybe <laughs> many 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 years uh, from now we will discover new facts about our universe and how it operates where we will understand this verse in greater depth and we will see the connection but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the stars are part of the lowest heaven and I think that is a, a important fact to 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 consider Subhanallah, I think that is a tremendous uh, piece of information. And one thing that I find to be so incredible is that 
there is this idea of the this plane of existence that we find ourselves in but again with the big bang and the formation of this universe that we now know and are familiar with there are certain parameters and human life as we know and understand it can only be contained within not even the edges of the universe but just within the, the solar system that we have within this planet that we have in, uh, in earth so then looking at that broadly the question is, would we ever have the technology? Would we ever be, have the technology to be able to traverse, if we can't even get to travel to Mars in a lifetime, would we ever have the means to be able to travel, to reach uh, that level where we could actually measure the distance between this, this universe and the next? As things stand now, it sounds almost as if that will never ever happen. But if we look at the rate at which technology has just blossomed and skyrocketed um, from if we think back for example the old Nokia phones that we had <laughs> the size of a of a brick little bit smaller than a than a than a, 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 a brick and we look at the kind of technology that we have now the time when the new cell phones come out they've and, and marketed it on, 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 on our shelves, then the new generation of phone has already been developed. We can't keep up with the extremely fast pace at which technology is developing, and it will be developing more and more and more faster with time. So who knows, Allah knows um, whether we will reach the point whether we will definitely be able to establish that there are in fact other universes and when we say universes we meaning worlds outside of what we refer to as our universe when we talk about the big bang the big big bang started our universe some people are saying that there are universes beyond that if allah speaks about seven worlds worlds different to our worlds is the way I would understand it. Otherwise, Allah wouldn't have spoken about worlds in plural form. And that gives us an idea also about Allah's greatness. It's possible if Allah created this universe and made certain laws applicable to our universe, is it then not possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create a universe that works completely differently uh, to ours? And even the number seven, might even be um, uh, metaphorical that Allah refers to many other universes out there but in our universe which we understand for now the star is something that exists in the lower heaven now I want to make a point here about um, which one of the people who have who has listened to the program made to me and said to me um, <clears throat> but you speaking about science now what does that got to do with our deen if we look at science science is nothing else but the process whereby experts in the various fields have uncovered how things operate what are they actually uncovering what are they establishing 
they are only establishing how Allah has created certain things around us whether we are talking about the use of technology to create cell phones or what makes a tree uh, a, a, a bear fruit or whatever else that knowledge that we refer to as scientific knowledge is nothing else but the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are only discovering so it is important for us never ever in my view to make a distinction between um, scientific knowledge and uh, make a distinction and say that that is that type of knowledge and our knowledge only relates uh, to the deen um, and therefore we should not be using that as a basis to make certain determinations in our life. But it's only now in speaking about stars, we know that the sun is also a star. Uh, so how, how do we understand that? Because um, the idea that stars uh, burn out, that stars eventually um, will fade away, here we have a sun, uh, we have a sun that we understand to be a star as well. Uh, so close to our solar system can we then say that where, where there were stars present in the, in the universe that there were planets rotating around them as well in fact a star the sun is a star they've established that all most of the stars in the universe all those billions of stars in fact some people say trillions trillions of stars that we have in the universe almost all of them have planets revolving around their that those stars if you can call it suns um, the sun would be equivalent of a star um, it's different in certain respects and when we get to the sun specifically we'll speak about it but if we look at stars stars normally form part of a galaxy um, and we'll come to our own galaxy but galaxies are in fact a group of stars that's clustered together in a group um, and it's kept together by gravity um, if the gravity wasn't there they would be going out on their own but the gravity keeps it together and that cluster has <coughs> A certain way in which it operates and uh, they can take many different forms most of the galaxies that we have out there uh, are flat almost looks almost like a disk um, a rotating disk um, with all these little pieces um, in the disk are in fact stars if we now just, just stand back from it then the galaxy would be made up of millions and billions of stars and if you go next door to it there would be another galaxy also made up of millions and billions of stars all rotating and kept together by gravity 
Subhanallah. I'm getting that, that image of um, what we've always seen when we watch sci-fi films and when we watch uh, scientific documentaries where we look at planets and you'll see this band around a particular galaxy. So those are actually stars that are in orbit around that particular galaxy. Now, can, can you imagine, Muhammad Fasih? That thing that you are referring to is exactly that. That's a galaxy. The, the thing that looks, you, you remember in the old days when they still allowed us to have firecrackers, mm -hmm. um, they had what they call a pinwheel. Um, you, you, you put a, 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 a nail or a, a stud in the middle, you light up the firecracker and it spins around mm -hmm. like that, but it stays in one place and it gives off all the sparks. Most of the galaxies look like that. In fact, our own galaxy, the Milky Way, looks like that. Uh, it's got these arms going out like that, spitting out the, the, the sparks, but it rotates. And in fact, they move also like that. Um, so it's important to note that when we look at every little spark of that wheel, that firecracker wheel that shoots out like that, is the equivalent of a star. So a star is a massive thing. If we talk about stars, stars are absolutely huge. They come in different forms, but most of them are bigger than our, our own sun. Um, and they come in different colors. The colors that they come in can be either a reddish, orangish color, or a yellow white, or a blue white. Uh, the red orange would be cool and the blue white would be the hottest. So when they look at the stars, they can determine, I'm talking about the scientists now, when they examine the stars, they can determine whether it is a cool star or whether it's a very hot star. And they come and they are called either dwarfs or they're called supergiants. And depending on how these stars are, are, are constructed, it also then determines whether they have a short life or whether they have a long life. Now, then, in examining the concept of uh, stars, what does the Quran say when referring to uh, what we call these heavenly bodies? A great miracle of the Quran, subhanAllah. This has been something that has only been discovered very recently. Um, when we light up something um, and we create a light, we normally uh, take a match um, and you light up material and that material combusts and that's how you, through that fire, it, it actually uh, uh, causes it to glow and to shine. That's the old thing about a candle. <laughs> if it's dark, you light the candle, and that candle gives you the light. Stars, in a much bigger way, um, lights up. And one, the assumption would be that there has to be an enormous fire. In fact, if we look at the sun, we think of the sun as a ball of fire. Um, and with a fire burning. What we've spoken about earlier about nuclear, 
uh, energy. Nuclear energy is not a fire that's burning. It's a reaction that is created by the fusion of the molecules of the atom. So it's not fire that combusts. It's the fusion of what happens inside the atom. And the atom, as you remember, we said, you, you, you can't measure them. They're nanometer small. Fractions of a nanometer, in fact, point 0.1 of a nanometer. Uh, if you want to, to know what's a nanometer, it is one over, uh, one over 10 followed by nine noughts <laughs> of a meter. Now, that's how small an atom is. Now, that reaction in the atoms is what causes the energy. And the, listen to what the Quran says, uh, Muhammad Fasih. In verse 24:35, and I quote, it's oil, uh, and in brackets it says fuel, almost lights up even though no fire has touched it. Now, <laughs> if one examines that verse of the Quran, you must remember the Quran came down and was revealed more than 1400 years ago. But it explained the process that is close to spelling out to us what is a nuclear reaction. In other words, there's, there's no fire, but it has created uh, this light which lights up. And that is something that has boggled the minds of many of the scientists that the Quran could so accurately, accurately speak about a nuclear reaction when it came down 1400 years ago. The voice of Bila Salimani, this is the program Tawheed and the Creation. This evening we are looking at uh, stars and uh, yeah, in the past uh, segment we've been looking at how in certain parts of the Quran stars are mentioned and how scientists today have discovered something that has been uh, in the Quran 1400 years ago at a time when there was no advanced means of doing research the way that we have it in the 21st century we're going to go for a break when we come back we will continue stay tuned <laughs> Welcome back to Tawheed and the Creation, exploring the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, authored by Butasani Mani. And this evening we're looking at stars. We're looking at something that uh, we are very familiar with, that we see all the time. What we were saying during the break was the fact that there is this volatility in the universe in terms of the stars, in terms of the sun, where these, these atoms need to be in a state of activity in order for these things to be to to be happening but yet on this dunya it is so peaceful it is so quiet that there is a latent there's a sense of latency within our ecosystem within our planet so it's amazing how Allah has made this dunya to be so peaceful while there's so much activity happening in the solar system around us yeah Muhammad Fasih subhanallah let me let me say firstly 
We often make the mistake when we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the universe and leave it there. We sometimes say Allah is the nourisher and sustainer. Um, and when we talk about nourishing and sustaining, our minds immediately go to um, our own human needs and think about food. Because nourishment and sustenance refers to, in our minds, to food that we eat. What might we ought to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the nourisher, the sustainer, the controller, the governor of every single thing in the entire universe. And when I say everything, I actually mean every single atom. No atom can move or deviate or go on a path that Allah is not in control of. Everything is under the direct control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if we think that the power of stars, or just look at the sun, the power of the sun is because of this sleeping, latent, dormant power that's within every single atom in the universe. And Allah controls that. And your point, if you look at the planet Earth, don't we have atoms on the planet Earth? Every single thing on our planet Earth is made up of atoms. And that nuclear fusion can potentially happen anytime. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls the behavior of every single atom. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the laws. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the laws to determine the behavior of every single atom. So yes, we don't have explosions just happening at random, but in a sense we are living in a world where there is so much potential power just on our planet, even in our own bodies. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls it and instructs it to behave in a particular way. But imagine if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to unleash that power of just the amount of power in a glass of water, there would be absolutely no trace of this entire planet if Allah were to release and unleash the power that we have there. Now, <laughs> um, I just need to make this point because uh, I forgot to, to mention it earlier is also that when we talk about stars, there was a time in the universe, um, in the history of our universe, when people thought that um, um, stars will always be there, that stars are a permanent feature of the universe. They only realized very recently that stars in fact die and that new stars are born every minute while this universe is in existence. It's almost like people. New people are born, old people die, stars behave in exactly the same way. And Allah speaks in the Quran about something that they've also only recently discovered. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 77-8 of the Quran, and I quote, 
So when the stars are obliterated, Allah mentions that stars will die. And they only found this out yesterday, which is another miracle of the Quran. There's so many miracles in the Quran that um, one, uh, you, you run out of space to mention all of the things that the Quran speaks about. But on the point that you made earlier, just so that we can make the connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's majesty and greatness, <coughs> Allah speaks about his greatness, his divine greatness himself. Uh, in, in, in the Quran, in verse 226, and I quote, <coughs> It is he, um, capital H, who hath created for you all things that are on earth. Moreover, his design comprehended the heavens, for he gave order and perfection to the seven firmaments, and of all things he hath perfect knowledge. Close quote. What this verse says to us and confirms that Allah knows every single thing that has been created in the universe um, and emerged out of that single spark and Allah is in control of every single thing. So Allah has the ability to create the thing, has power over the thing, but Allah also sub subhanahu wa ta'ala controls and governs the actions of every single thing in the entire universe. Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Subhanallah. And the thing is, this befits the status of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Lord that not only we say created, but is constantly maintaining what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put forth. If we look at ourselves, we decide we're going to build a robot. We're going to put batteries in it. We're going to have this, have this robot walk around and function and do things. If we leave that robot alone for two weeks or three weeks, it's powered down and we need to go and find fresh batteries. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is constantly maintaining the fabric and all of its processes, both uh, what we understand to be biological, non-biological, uh, Allah is maintaining all of those processes down to organisms, down to the very, very core building blocks, which is the atoms. And what is beyond the atoms, we don't even know, subhanAllah. And Allah is maintaining all of these things in perfect order. And, and yet, it is, not, it is not difficult for Allah, and Allah is aware of all things. Yeah, Muhammad Fasih, Allah is so great. You see, that's one of the reasons why we have to look at the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the universe. If we don't ponder on these things and we didn't know these things, then all we will say, yes, Allah created everything. But there's nothing more that we will be able to add to that because we have not pondered on Allah's greatness. And the greatness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be found in looking at the things that Allah points us towards. And that would be the signs that's in the heavens, in the earth. What we quoted right at the beginning, the ayah of the Quran that says, Ponder on the heavens, my signs in the heavens and the earth and within your own selves. And if we start doing that, 
we will see how truly great Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And when we do that, then our ibadah just takes a giant leap forward. We understand Allah's greatness. And when we say the name Allah, then it has a different meaning. When we say Allahu Akbar, then it has a different meaning. Our ibadah must improve. That's why the need to ponder, not just on the heavens and the earth, but every single thing in creation, there are signs for us to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better. The voice of Bilisari Mani, and uh, Bilisari, it's been a fantastic uh, program this evening. I think, uh, as always, we've covered a lot of ground, alhamdulillah. Uh, we will, in a future program, be looking at the Milky Way and how we understand that concept in, in relation to science and also how the Qur'an refers to the galaxies and the Milky Way and just the fabric of, 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 the, of the universe, in a sense. Uh, and we'll also be touching a little bit more broadly on our solar system as well. Shukran so much, Bidasari, for uh, joining us, and we look forward to next week in Shukran very much, Fasikh. It's an honor to have been here. And uh, shukran once again to all those listeners who have given us uh, very favorable feedback on what we have done so far. Shukran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And from myself, Muhammad Fasikh, peace until I speak to you again, inshallah. Abadi wa salamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا